Masters of Modern. I am your host, Alex Kessler, here with all of my co-hosts, the full playset, uh, Ben Bateman, Marshall James, Michael Grothy. How are you, gentlemen? Good. What's going on? We're, Great. We're, we're reviewing cards, so... I like I like the playset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we are continuing to review cards. Uh, last uh, Monday, we previewed uh, uh, our preview, official free preview card from Wizards of the Coast. Definitely check that out. It was... Uh, ghostly pilferer we'll talk about it at some point again uh we also have some uh ideas for deck lists that we might get into a later episode or maybe for the hot take next week so keep an eye out for that uh either in this episode or next week uh and but the main thing we're gonna be talking about today is reviews and i want to jump right into it because we're trying to do that now a little bit more often and then we'll get into kind of shout outs later on in the episode so last week we ended on uh chandra heart of fire uh today we are going to continue in our world of planeswalkers with Basri Cat. Uh, one white white, legendary planeswalker Basri. Uh, three loyalty, plus one, put a plus one plus one counter on up to one target creature. It gains indestructible until end of turn. Minus two, whenever one or more non-token creatures attacks this turn, create that many one one white soldier creature tokens that are tapped and attacking. Minus six, you get an emblem with at the beginning of your combat on each turn, create a 1-1 one, one white soldier creature token, then put plus one, plus one counter on each creature you control. He makes soldiers. He's got a dope sand sword spear arrow combo thing that he made uh, out of, what's the white god in Amaket? Oketra's. Oh, Oketra's uh, bow Oketra's. and arrows. It's an arrow, yeah. I guess, not bow. And then just is doing some sand things, make some soldiers. Thoughts? He's like the he's like the Gideon now, right? He's like the white weenie planeswalker since mm -hmm. we lost our old one. Mm. R.I.P. I guess like a Johnny went into a green white and is now much more like about life gain and planeswalkers, and so they needed well, we'll like see what Elspeth does. I mean, Elspeth, this card that she just got makes one ones and buffs creatures. Uh, which are the two things Basri Cat does. So we'll see how they differentiate those two going forward. I mean, so on her most recent card, Elspeth, like, is zombified kind of because she, like, escapes from the graveyard. So mm -hmm. maybe they'll play up the fact that, like, she escaped from the underworld more on future cards. I don't know. Now that they're both around, I, I'm interested to see what, what they, uh, how they shake out. Yeah, I mean, this card to me feels, this card to me feels like, I mean, it is a three-mana Planeswalker, which, like, you know, we've seen plenty of them. They don't usually do that much in terms of taking care of themselves, so that's kind of no difference here, right? Like, if you don't have a creature to put a counter on when you plus this, uh, there's nothing to protect it. And if you minus it, you get to continue attacking in that white weenie style, but it still is not going to be protected. So it's... um. It's a medium card to me. I don't. I don't think I would imagine playing this. This. This doesn't feel that different than the way I think I look at the uh, the the three mana Ajani, you know, the double strike one. Like feels very yeah. much in that same vein, very reminiscent of that. Yeah, it's it, like because this one draws you cards. Where the like because this one you play it and you can make one one tokens, and, and as long as you're making, but only, but only if you already have a creature. Correct. So correct. like, but, but the, the other Ajani, the real medium part about Basri is if you top deck and when you have no board state he does nothing right. at all i guess what i was I, well, he but, ticks up towards ultimate i wouldn't say that he does nothing right because like he has an ultimate that that is probably going to win you the game if not like put you in a good position so 
the fact that you can come down if you just got your board swept by anger of the gods or something and you play this and you plus you're like working towards rebuilding you know and 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 i, I was saying in comparison to a johnny right because a johnny also does nothing other than build to an ultimate if you play him with no creature in play his two abilities are a creature gets a plus one plus one counter uh or a creature gets flying and double strike but if you don't have a creature neither of those do anything the difference though is between the two is a johnny gets a lot of damage in if you have a creature boss Riquet gets you more creatures in play so is a little bit better if they're able to get rid of him than the other johnny is but is less powerful up front than the other johnny is um and like a johnny wants you to have one big creature that you're gonna flying and double strike and this guy wants you to have just like a big pile of one ones i mean also from the perspective of like what most decks would have i mean and from a modern perspective it's a little different but like unless you're playing like one drop one drop one drop attacking with this guy to get three one ones more than likely your deck has played a creature at this point you know maybe two creatures so you're probably attacking and making like a one one i mean out like of, not that out special of, as like a card in soul sisters though this does help you just kill your opponent better than that deck sometimes has trouble with because you could play like one soul sister soul sister soul sister soul sister uh martyr of sand soul sister and so you now have three one ones in play and then this lets you turn yep. those one ones into an army of like you don't want to run those into blockers like soul exactly. sister is like is like almost a control deck in that they like are gaining a bunch of life and playing towards a late game where they just like attack you with six sixes flying lifelink and you can never kill their creatures because they're bringing them back and they have 35 life and <laughs> well it, it's a nine point life swing is why you, i guess one of the reasons you could do that because you get the three token triggers before blocks happen sure um and if you have if you have three soul sisters in play uh and they have no blockers and well if they have blockers you still get the tokens but you lose your soul sisters but you gain the life yeah it seems it seems loose i mean i guess in in the martyr proc version of this where you're getting back creatures maybe but not in the in the traditional like the more aggressive soul sisters version i don't know this card's fine i Um, I don't think it's that special i think some of the other planeswalkers are better all right next card village rights one black instant as an additional cost to cast this spell sacrifice a creature draw two cards i love this this is one of my favorite cards in the set actually so like we've seen this effect so many times for two mana and it's always like bad in every format but i think making that card twice as good uh is exactly what it needs to like be relevant perhaps even in modern like one mana draw two cards is good obviously this costs more than that like you're not playing this on turn one but the fact that like you can respond to a removal spell with this to just straight up draw two cards or you can sack your you know doomed traveler or your kitchen finks or something or your um you know creature that you want to get you can sacrifice your blood gas to this or your prize amalgam or your narcomoeba or you know you can sacrifice your narcomoeba draw two cards i don't know that this is a dredge card i feel like it's too clunky for them because they need like turn one card draw to get going but um i just think that this like for only one mana, this is like exactly what this effect needed to be playable. And they've like printed multiple different like altars reap variants that just like don't ever get there. And I, this is like finally it for me. And altars reap, altar reap has seen some amount of fringe play in places like standard, right? So this is a card that like, if this is ever going to be playable, it's this card. Cause it's never, right. I don't think they can print this draw three cards like i don't think no that way. card is legal to pr- like i don't think that would be a fair card no to have it exist so nearly yeah. ancestral recall <laughs> yeah i think i think alters reap is like your classic that's your classic like there's a limited strategy that's like super super into sacrificing and triggers and resurrecting and everybody plays it as card number 23 and that's the extent of what it gets 
In fact, I think wasn't Altar's Reap in guilds? Wasn't that in, in guilds limited? And it was in the black white deck doing just or the black red deck. Probably. It's in It was a version of it. Yeah, yeah. the effect it's is like, like pretty effects popular. are always like, oh, I'm the sacrifice deck with a bunch of active treasons, but I didn't get enough sacrifice outlets. I guess I'll play an Altar's Reap. Like, well, I think what this card does, what this card feels like, is when you when you imagine like some new card being printed and you see some clever combination of three cards like you know posted on reddit where someone's like if you play these three things together something crazy happens this costing one is what a card like this needs for that to be a thing like it costing two was never going to be a part of some chain that was going to get you crazy value it costing one means this is that extra slot that's going to fit in that's going to push something over the edge we're going to hear about it and it will be very very impactful like that's what it feels like to me, right? It's the difference yeah. between like two mana faithless looting and one mana faithless looting. Why faithless looting was so good? Right, exactly. Yeah, tormenting voice is not tearing up modern. Faithless looting had to get banned, and I think that it would have had to get banned even if it didn't have flashback, or at the very least, it would be incredibly strong even right. if it didn't have flashback. But like one mana, the blue version of it is a legacy staple still, even with faithless looting existing. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, truthfully, honestly, and this is probably a little wonky to think about, but like those old Mardu Pyromancer decks that were sacrificing and using Faithless Looting to get tons and tons of value and like lots of tokens, this card actually fits into those decks in that slot really nicely. Like with Lake yeah. Lingering Souls and like Young Super Pyromancer. With Pyro, right? Because you just sacrifice yeah. the token, you get another token. You do like the Cabal Ritual Watu? trick. Seems the, not Cabal Ritual, the uh, Cabal Therapy trick, like in Legacy, where you're like sacrificing your young Pyromancer token, but you get another one, so it's free, basically. Yeah. Next card, and I think this is one of the ones that Michael is very excited about, as am I. Archfiend's Vessel. One black for a 1-1 one, one human cleric. It has lifelink. When Archfiend's, blah, blah, blah. When Archfiend's Vessel enters the battlefield, if it entered from your graveyard or you cast it from your graveyard, exile it. If you do, create a 5-5 black demon creature token with flying. Yeah, so this is a creature that you can play on turn one and then sack to village rights. Yeah, that's true. Mm. And then you play Soren, four mana Soren. Play Soren, minus one him, bring him back, you get a 5-5. Five, five. Or to use Ben Bateman special oh. claim yeah, fame. Yeah. Claim fame, man. I mean, think about yeah. that. On turn one, Archie's Vessel. Turn two, village rights. Draw two, claim fame, put it into play, make a 5-5. Five, five. On turn two... I will draw. I'll take a five-five and two cards. That sounds insane. You can draw into the claim fame. Yeah, you've drawn. Oh! You've drawn three cards that turn. The 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 fame, and then the two cards you drew off of that, and you have a. Five and five. also later, <laughs> and, and for <laughs> later in the game, like half a card. <laughs> well, and and also fame can make this a seven-five haster later in the game if you pull that same move. That's going to gain you seven life. That's nothing to sneeze at. I think that's really good, actually. I think this is like definitely an <laughs> argument for claim fame being a card. Uh, I agree. No, I'm, I'm like we're like kind of joking, but like that thing I just described right there of like middle of the game top deck claim fame. I'll swing for seven, gain seven off of my one card I just drew. Well, like for three mana, strong. And, and not to mention like this, uh, it's a five five flying, not lifelink. The fly, the demon doesn't have lifelink. So you don't gain seven. Oh, oh gotcha, um, gotcha. But gotcha. you can fame the like an extra Archfiend's vessel that's just like stuck in play to make it a three-zero lifelink. You can also like I can see this very easily just hanging out with um uh the god the the elder titan I never remember the name of not Uro. Is it, yes, Croxa, Croxa, yeah, Croxa. Yes. Like cro like Agreed. just like a bunch like a red black aggressive graveyard claim fame slash unearth deck just as like. A thing that could you, exist. You know, rolling off that, 
uh, village rights is a great thing to sacrifice your Croxa you just cast to, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is another another spice. Like turn three Croxa and sack it to village rights seems like pretty sweet value. I'm such a big fan. Uh, and then I'm also a big fan still on village rights, but I fan a favorite of the podcast. Dreadhorde Arcanist. Oh yeah. I, I, anytime a one mana spell that is good comes around, I'm thinking about Dreadhorde Arcanist. And the fact that Dreadhorde Arcanist and Young Pyro and Season Pyro hanging out in the same deck with Village Rights. Yeah. So discarding this to like Season Pyro seems great. Also, I mean, that's the thing is like you really want this in your graveyard. So Village Rights is one way to get in your graveyard. That's easy. And like perhaps other kind of unearthed decks with sacrifice outlets or something. Um, like that maybe deck like also creature like... combo decks playing Viserys here, but like you can just discard this or mill it and then reanimate it. I mean, like Luris can reanimate this, for example. That was probably something that was meant for standard. That was maybe too strong. I don't. Yeah, that's standards. It's, it's insane that Luris. <laughs> I can't speculate on standards. And this were expected to exist to at the same time, but you could play with Luris in this deck, right? We haven't actually set a card that costs more than two mana. I'm about yeah, to. No, which I mean, is our vessel, right? But like. <laughs> so nutty with Luris, not to mention like um, call of the death dweller which is like you know in uh standard standard. that's what people are gonna be doing with this in standard now i think and maybe also playing it with Luris. um but like that's something i don't do in modern like call the death dweller might be good enough for modern it reanimates two creatures if you have enough good things soren isn't a bad card like being able to like just like tick up and down to keep getting one and two drops back especially stuff like arc being uh, where you can like sacrifice Archon's vessel with the Arc yeah. tutor for a way to get it back. Yeah, there's like a lot of the white reanimation hits it, right? So like Rally the Ancestors for one hits it and you get a five five, or like the Return to the Ranks Proclamation. hits it. Proclamation yeah. of Rebirth, and you can Ranger Vios for it, or Ranger Captain. So maybe there's like a black white, you know, value like one right, mana yeah. reanimator thing, you know. I don't know. Both, both Village Rights and Archfiend Vessel are definitely two of the cards I'm very excited for in this set. And and I, I will say, like, this set's awesome. Like, there's just such a large stack of cards that I'm excited about. We There was talking about conversation in the MMCast um, Facebook group, like, moderator chat, uh, about how, like, is this the most powerful core set since, like, Alpha Beta era? Which I, like, pointed out that M11 exists, and that set is stacked to a degree that is insane it has like is that true though but 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 like but like the m11 really powerful stuff because like m11 obviously had lightning bolt which is great but it was a reprint i mean it had prime time it like has the titans which are like nuts uh here i'll, I'll bring up it has preordain is another card that was printed i mean oh yeah, 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 yeah. uh mana leak was brought was the into standard for the first time uh, i actually made a list and decked so ornithopter birds of paradise lanor elf sarah ascendant viscera seer a johnny's pride mate fauna shaman squadron hawk steel overseer uh, Obstinate Bayloth, Bane Slayer Angel, Elvish Archdruid, all the Titans, Elixir of Immortality, Lightning Bolt, Preordain, Silence, Tome Scour, Voltaic Key, Mana Leak, Pyretic Ritual, Pyroclasm, Cultivate, Jace Bellerin, Whisper Silk Cloak, Day of Judgment, Leyline of Anticipation, Sanctity, and Void. And that's and then I have a sideboard of like second tier ones. And of those cards, the ones that were printed in the set for the first time ever: Sarah Ascendant, Viscera Seer, Ajani's Pride Mate, Fauna Shaman, Squadron Hawk, Steel Overseer. Obstinate Bayloth, All Five Titans, Elixir of Immortality, Preordain, uh, Pyretic Ritual, Cultivate, and uh, Leyline of Anticipation, and Leyline of Sanctity. 
Yeah, I mean, that's, that's that's a bonk, that's a pretty bonkers set. I mean, I guess only time will tell on some of the stuff we're seeing printed here. But yeah, yeah, yeah. That is that is that is pretty insane for M11. I mean, Origins was pretty powerful too, right? Wasn't that like a really good one? Yes, and and, and like there are good core sets. Like I think the joke is people think core sets aren't good, and then they end up often having very powerful things. M11 is just exceptional, and of partially due to the few different cycles, but uh, and the fact that Scribe. It was like the first time they ever got to play with Scry in the way that they did there. So they came up with stuff like Preordain and Viscerous Ear. They they just they, they this was the first time they put it in the set. They loved it. Then they put it in another set, and then they were like, "Let's put it in another set." And they're like, "You know what? We keep putting this in sets." Let's just make. But it I feel day. like Future Set doesn't count as a debut of anything, right? That's fair. Yeah, they were predicting M11 from the past. Yes. M11 was the future at <laughs> yes, the time. Fair. Protection from Fine. converted mana cost three or greater. Anyone. That's the thing that happens once in a while. <laughs> okay. Um, moving we got on to cards. Even or odd mana costs in Ikoria, right? Yeah. Um, like Fortify? Anybody want to talk about Fortify? All right, let's keep talking. Next day, um, thing. Uh, the next card is uh, Joriel Munvon. I'm going to have so much trouble with this card. Joriel Munvoli Recluse. Green one. Now, this card is sweet. Legendary yeah, creature. Ahead, yeah, let me read it. The people need to know. Legendary <laughs> creature, human druid, one, two. Uh, whenever you draw your second card with uh, each turn, create a 2-2 green cat creature token. Four green green until end of turn. Creatures you control have base power and toughness XX, where X is the number of cards in your hand. So, okay, it, is, so it makes two twos and it has a rampant uh, uh, overrun effect overrun. on the top end. So I think cards like this, they, they, they fit like a very, very basic mold. And I think we all have, have like been around modern long enough to kind of acknowledge this. You basically have cards like this that either cost two mana or three mana. When they cost three, they're almost entirely unplayable. They're very, very hard to make playable. When they cost two, they tend to have a lot of upside, right? And this, this can be the same argument for basically lords and most tribes, right? Like Skull Captain, not good enough. Supreme Phantom, good enough. Right, so if you want to be a three-mana lord, you need to, like, be a combo piece. You need to be, like, Archdruid or uh, 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 Reachery that, like, kind of yeah. go infinite by existing. <laughs> But this card, as a 1-2 for 2 mana in green, like, you're now thinking, like, okay, I can build a blue-green tempo deck where every cantrip makes me a 2-2. Two -two. That's fine. Like, I, I will trade my 1-2 for 2 mana for your removal spell if that's what is required. But also, I think as a base card here that starts to play with the other when you have drawn your second card each turn things that have been printed, most of which are not really good enough, having a 2-drop that gives you lots and lots of, like, gas now means that some of those cards are, like, more interesting to look at. In standard right now, we have unlikely alliance which makes a fairy when you draw your second card uh there's mad ratter which makes two rats when you draw your second card and then there's iron crag pyromancer which casts a lightning yes. bolt when you draw your second card. that card's sweet well that was that it was like a it was like a it was the draft mechanic of blue red in in eldraine yeah. so right? there's like some, also, some like bad commons there's like a creature at two one for two that gets plus almost one in first strike when you draw your second card and stuff like that and there's actually at least one bad common in this set too that you know just a draft card to award opt drafting opt but like so unlikely alliance is interesting because it's a it's an enchantment and it is blue which you probably want to play with these cards anyway uh the problem is like it only it makes one power and joel rail makes two power it's one power in the air versus two power but that's something worth thinking about even though like unlikely alliance already exists it's hard to get rid of it's in the right color it's making half the power that this card is making well and and yeah the like evasion versus like getting larger creatures that are on the ground in modern evasion sometimes it like the the format has gone so explosive that like 
grinding people out with blockers seems to be necessarily less likely. So flying isn't as important as it maybe used to be one day. Um, so just ha being able to have as many different things in play and as much power as possible. So when you do go to attack, you can kill them um, is, is interesting. So yeah, I don't know. Um, I agree that this being a two drop also just like is significant in its ability to just be played early. And then like you, like they, you can play this on their turn one. Right. And so now it's always just going to be ahead of them. If you're on the play, the one downside of this card to me, right yeah. yeah, the significant downside of this card is that it's legendary. So while like young pyros can stack, um, and you get lots and lots of value out of that chain. If you find yourself in that point in the game, you can never get more than one of these down at a time, which means that your, you know, your serum visions is not going to get you four power for one mana at any point in time. Um, which, you know, again, when you, it's, it's, you draw your second card each turn also, which means like, again, you compare it to a young pyro. If I opt at the end of your turn, I'm still getting a one, one. If I opt at the end of your turn with this card, nothing happens. So, you know, there, there are definitely some drawbacks, but I do think it's a cool card. It's definitely an interesting card that, uh, is probably going to be pretty under the radar in the set, but there's definitely some space to play with. Yeah. Uh, next card is Stormwing Entity, 3 blue blue elemental, 3-3 three, three, flyer. This spell costs 2 and a blue less to cast if you've cast an instant or sorcery spell this turn. Uh, flying, prowess, whenever it enters the battlefield, scry 2. So it can be a 1 and a blue, 3-3 three, three, prowess flyer that scries 2 and enters play. Um, now you have to cast another spell. That spell can be a 1-drop. I feel like... Uh... Like last week, this this guy also went to the Lotta Text University oh, with, yes. uh, <laughs> with, with the beast. Questing Beast. Like were roommates. <laughs> like, just... if you had gone back in time to 1990s Magic and told them, we're going to print a 3-3 flyer in blue with prowess, and you have to explain prowess, that you can cast for <laughs> two mana... Well, and you have to and then it has scry. an upside, and you have to also explain what scry is. Like I've, I've read cards <laughs> in Legends, though. Yeah, like, yeah. You can't say this is wordier than a Legends card. Legends cards or, or, are like, or... the entire text box is one sentence. Like, yeah. I get that this has, like, four sentences on it, but, like, a Legends card is just, like... Yeah, they're like, oh, you... Oh, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, they, it's like, not about, it's not about wordiness, necessarily. Like, because a Legends card will have two paragraphs to explain one ability. Yeah. I'm meaning more... Like, 90s Magic would have thought a 3-4 flyer for 3 that dealt 1 damage to you each turn was so overpowered it had to be banned for a while. Yeah. <laughs> like, Serendib Afrit had to be banned. And then this card I mean, is Marshall, like Serendib Afrit with plus. I mean, I think also it's important for us to point out uh, the card Balduvian Shaman, which was printed in the 90s. I'm just going to really quickly read you guys the text of Balduvian Shaman. Wait, wait, wait. wait. This podcast needs to be under an hour. We'll be here for three days. Balduvian <laughs> yeah. Shaman is a common, right? Yeah, yeah the Balduvian yeah. Shaman common. Ice Age common, one blue, one one, human cleric shaman. Tap. Change the text to target white enchantment you control that doesn't have cumulative upkeep by replacing all instances of one color word with another. For example, you may change black creatures can't attack to blue creatures can't attack. That enchantment gains cumulative upkeep one, then it proceeds to explain cumulative upkeep, which is its own explanation. That's a common from Ice Age. So, <laughs> definitely wordier. I still don't know what this card does. I've read this before. Uh... <laughs> I, do, I do think, I do think to, for, to Marshall's point, what, what is insane about this card is, like, this is a pushed card in the, from that era, right? Like, it feels like it, would, it belongs in that era of magic. And yeah, if it was yeah, printed yeah. in that era of magic, this would be the best creature ever printed. It's now probably not good enough, right? Like, that's, that's what's kind of insane about this card, is it's just like... 
I don't even know if you had the like the requirement. If you didn't have the requirement, it would be one of the better tempo cards in this format, but it wouldn't be backbreaking. The fact that like you have the this hoop to jump through makes it like pretty medium for a card that's pretty easy fine. hoop. Like if you are uh, some sort of blue red spellsy deck or just mono blue, I guess, but that tends not to be a thing. But you like, you know, bolt their creature and play this on turn three, or you opt and play this on turn three, or you steer in visions and play this on turn three, or whatever. I mean, and what's nice is that it scries when it enters the battlefield. So, like, if you tap out for it, which you probably are because you want to get it down as soon as possible, and you need to play a spell before, you like, and they, it's, it's vulnerable to bolt because the prowess can't happen yet. So they bolt it. It is not vulnerable to fatal push ever. But if they bolt it right away, you're not that sad because you scryed too. You like got valued. Like assuming scry two is, you know, somewhat equivalent to drawing a card. Um, you, you've gotten your values worth out of this card, and it did nothing. Now, if they don't have the bolt, you're untapping with like a huge flyer that like gets big because you're playing a deck with a bunch of spells. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think a card also plays to get this into play earlier. You can like flashback. No flashback lava dart on turn two seems terrible. You sack a mountain. I don't know. You can like no, but you can't. But you can cast a. Uh, but you can cast a gut shot. And yeah, I was yeah. thinking, I was looking at this card, and I was wondering, you know, we haven't really had Delver decks in modern in a while. Like the philosophy yeah. of Delver was, you stick a powerful invasive creature, and then you use tempo plays and removal to protect it, and it goes the distance. And this guy kind of feels a little bit like a Delver style. Like, you just stick this one threat. Your opponent never wants to point a lightning bolt at, at it, especially once you've shown them one gut shot, because then it's like nobody wants to be blown out by gut shot a prowess creature. Um, and so, I don't know. Plus, also, like, if I was playing a Storm Entity Delver style deck, I would want to play, like, three or four gut shots, because gut shot could also allow you to cast the guy... For cheaper like if it's turn you know four you can gut shot get your guy in and still have mana up to remand or mana leak or whatever hey marshall you're talking about you're talking about this plays well in a delver style deck you know what effect delver of secrets really likes it's scry you know what also delver really likes it also likes you to have lots of instances of sorceries it's also blue so in my mind i'm thinking about this card what who's to say that on turn like you know and if we're playing free spells here if we're playing gut shots or even mutagenic growth, honestly, because if you're going to mutagenic growth this guy, it turns it into free giant growth because of prowess. Effectively, if you're playing the right style of deck, turns it into a free lightning bolt, which on turn one, you play a Delver. Maybe you just like mutagenic growth your Delver on turn two, attack for three if it hasn't flipped already, and then get this guy down for two mana. Then you definitely flip it. I mean, I, I like the idea of this playing with Delver Secrets. That seems like a really good one-two punch. I think, yeah. yeah. Oh, I yeah. Mean, uh... I have thoughts of Delver of Secrets. I actually think Delver of Secrets has been outclassed in modern, in a format without like wastelands existing to make it a different world. Where without brainstorms. Without brainstorms. Like, I think that, like, I would rather play this card with Abbot of Carol Keep than, than Delver of Secrets. Just from the consist. Did I say the right card? What's the yep, one mana one? Abbot's the one that it. Monastery the one that Monastery Swift, no, no, no. Yeah, Monastery Swift there. Sorry, Michael Space was right. I was yeah. like, I'm naming a good card, Michael. <laughs> I wasn't. I, it, I wasn't. A terrible card, but not like a modern playable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I meant Monastery Swift Spear. Monastery Swift Spear, <laughs> the good, the good one. Uh, like, I'd rather play that with this, right? Because it's like always good. It's aggressive. It's its own threat that they have to deal with, and then you already want to start playing like on turn three. 
like lightning bolt burning them in the face and then this or or something on turn you know and then that way you can like kind of use that as the early game play that's pushing threats in and then use this as the tempo play at the end that lets you draw into more gas i also love this with dreadhorde arcanist because on turn one you play some sort of cantrip on turn two you play this guy turn three you attack you cast your free spell off dreadhorde arcanist which then reduces the cost to this guy you play him for two holding up in one mana for your like spell pierce or your whatever counter spell for one mana you're gonna play that Dive seems like a pretty strong yeah, yep. that seems like a pretty strong play. I'm into that. I mean, this, this card definitely is well-suited for, like, players that like that style, um, which I'm all over. Yep. I, I definitely am going to play with this card. Uh, next card is Idol of Endurance. Tuna White Artifact. When Idol of Endurance enters the battlefield, exile all creature cards with converted mana cost three or less from your graveyard until Idol of Endurance leaves the battlefield. One in a white tap until end of turn. You may cast creature spells from among the cards exiled with Idol of Endurance without paying its mana cost. Um... One of the interesting things about this card is it is Wizard saying that this is a way that they want white to be maybe more about card draw, right? They've said that they've been looking for ways that for them to gain card advantage. We talked about Megara last week, um, and this is a different way that they're doing, which is like, you know, white maybe uses the graveyard as a resource in a way that are interesting, and, and then they have their, like, cost three or less mechanic that seems to be very much in white space, or is white space in this area. But this is a kind of card advantage engine you can play late game as a one of to then be able to draw cards. Doesn't anti-synergy with Archfiend's Vessel unplayable? Hmm. <laughs> you're right, when you're right, you're right. This card is super slow. It, like, costs three. Yeah, really slow. Does nothing. You gotta spend two more to get, at best, a three drop that was already in your graveyard. Then you can yeah. start paying two to get something that is up to a three drop every turn. So you have to, like, stock your graveyard with a bunch of stuff, Hopefully it's three drops because that's you don't want to be paying two for a one drop. I mean, it's better than nothing. I think, I, I, like I think about getting I think about getting Mirror Superior into my graveyard, then casting this, and then end of turn tapping it to put my Mirror Superior into play. That seems like a lot of work. Not really into that. Mirror Superior. <laughs> I feel like you've been more for a Mirror Superior. <laughs> yeah, I've I've paid in my sweat and tears more more than five mana for it. Uh, I'm gonna move past June 9th, unless you guys want to talk about Alpine Howmaster or or obsessive stitcher which i think we're fine on no i'm good cool yeah. uh let's let's talk about snoop snoop we're gonna snoop to talk about snoop, snoop, right? what, do we, what do we think about lofty denial i was gonna bring up lofty denial Stormwing entity deck yeah lofty denial is one in a blue instant counter target spell unless its controller pays one if you control a creature with flying a.k.a. Delvers of Secrets, uh, counter that spell unless this controller pays four instead. So it's an upgrade to Mana Leak, uh, or it's a so four spike. It's This is an interesting card a little bit, because sometimes what they do with their, like, better Mana Leak is they make it cost three, and then it costs one less. Like, that's what the pirate one was, mm -hmm. Lookout's mm -hmm. Dispersal or whatever, where it was, like, three mana unless they pay counter unless they pay four, which is unplayable. Convolute is just, like, terrible, even limited. And then it became super mana leak if you had a pirate. What I like about this is that it's two mana four spike, which is way better than convolute, even if it's still not very good. Right. And then it upgrades to better mana leak. So it's like more playable on its face than say Lookout's Dispersal, um, which makes me like look at it as something I might be a little bit more interested in. And then you just you just need to be playing this with cheap flying creatures like Delver of Secrets or Stormwing Entity or I think, um, I think this is a card that in modern, I think I would rather play with other ones that exist, but in places like Pioneer or Historic, um, 
like or other non-rotating formats, this becomes more interesting. Yeah, if Mana Leak's not legal, this card is, is something I want to consider a little bit more often. I don't think, like, the games that go late enough where Mana Leak starts being bad, four mana this isn't that much better. And, Different than three. Yeah, and, three. like, obviously four spec is way worse than Mana Leak because it's the same card, just worse. Um, yeah, I agree with that. Uh, but I think also, I think I think to add to your point, Alex, on that note, like, this point with modern, I think different conversation in Pioneer, but in modern, there are so many good two-mana counterspells that are, like, conditionally not just, like, hard counterspell, but, like, really good. Like, Delay is really good. Logic Knot is really good. Those are all cards I can convince myself to play if I want to. I don't think playing a card that if I can manage to retain a creature. Now, like, like Quench is played in, in Limited, and, like, that's fine. Like, it has been played in Limited. Like, that's a fine card. Yeah, I mean, that's true. I played it in Standard last year. Like, Quench is fine, but, like, but again, the and, and often Quench, when you play it, is just for Spike. Like, that's all you're playing it for anyway. It's just that I don't think that this having the upside that it has makes it actually a modern contender. I think it's just outclassed by modern. Yeah, the, the advantage is, like, once you have a board like turn five six and your opponent is like still trying to like play a sweeper or whatever like they can't yeah you know, they play three mana three damage to everything or something and you're like Hoo-hoo, unless you yeah. pay four i mean like the other thing with modern is if i had to choose to have a flyer in play or a wizard in play one of those two things i feel like is well you go back and forth right because i guess like what's it called it's like is, is a flyer players. yeah yeah um Cool. I like. I don't know that it's modern playable, yeah. but it, it's something that like piqued my interest because cool card. Yeah, yeah. It, it starts out as something that's like moderately playable and becomes something that is like more exciting if you're looking to counter like a sweeper or removal spell or something later. Like in 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 a deck like like we talk we haven't talked about Highlander in a long time, but like in in like a blue flyers deck that wants redundancy on two mana counter spells and it plays evasive threats, which is what that blue deck I have does. This will definitely go into the deck because like. Most of the time, almost all the time in that deck, it's going to be mana leak, but four mana instead of three. So, like, it's playable. It's an interesting card. It's just not a playable card in modern. Yeah, I agree. The next card is a goblin. It costs a red and a red. It's Conspicuous Snoop. Goblin Rogue 2-2. Play with the top card of your library revealed. You may cast goblin spells from the top of your library. As long as the top card of your library is a goblin card, Conspicuous Snoop has all activated abilities of that card. Um, I think within this card being previewed within like five minutes, people had already come up with multiple just you go infinite on turn three and win the game combos available to it in modern. Um, so most of them are, are based around you play this and then you play the, the three mana black goblin that puts a goblin on top of your deck. Bargot Harbinger, it's right there. Or maybe it's there. Maybe it's moving. Maybe Marshall is doing more work and moving it around my screen. Uh, and then um, I'm making him do more work. And then you can put a Kiki Jika on top of your deck. You then can tap Conspicuous Snoop, use a Kiki Jiki's ability, make infinite Conspicuous Snoops, uh, and then you can, on the last one, copy the tutor to put a um, Mog Fanatic Mog Fanatic on top, and then sack all of them, doing all the, or, or all of them do damage. All of them you can just sack and do one damage to your opponent. Um, and you win. They're all tapped, so they can't attack, so you need the Mog Fanatic or a Sling Gang Lieutenant yeah. or something. Something, like that. something that lets them either sack themselves to do a damage or, or sacrifice other of themselves to do damage. And and both there are two of those cards and they're both playable and I think like 
That's and and we've talked about a lot of the time where it, if you have a deck that can oops all win, but also is just a decent deck on the other side of it, right? Like that's one of the things that made Birthing Pods so, deck so strong is you are sitting there holding your removal spells, trying to stop them from being able to just go infinite, and in the meantime they're beating you down with Kitchen Finks and you know Hate Bears and and other things that are just doing damage to you, and so you die. To like a tel- to uh, uh, a tavity gown ship instead of the combo when you've been preparing for the combo all, all, all along. So with this, it could very easily be like turns one through five. I'm just playing aggro goblins, but then I'm able to keep a snoop in play, and then I tutor, and then I just win because you you've been having or you know I have snoop and you know I have it, so I'm gonna hold that available to scare you with it. But in the meantime, I'm hitting you with goblin guide, and like you're taking a ton of damage in the meantime. People might look at this and go, okay, like that, you're right. It's in mono red. It's a little bit of an oops, I win. This seems really, really good. Um, but yeah, it's, you have to play black. But I don't think it's too good. I think it's actually just reasonably good because in the goblin deck you're talking about, Alex, most of the cards you just mentioned would never get played in that deck. You, I don't think you would ever play Kiki Jiki in just a normal goblin deck. It's a five drop. That deck doesn't want that as its five drop. I don't think you would play Vagrant Harbinger because that card hasn't seen play in basically any deck, goblin deck in years. I don't think you'd play Mog Fanatic because it's just not really a high enough upside card. So, And I don't think you'd play this card either, maybe if this card's really powerful with other goblins. But for the most part, I think you're having to, to shoehorn two copies each of those cards into your deck to make this combo work at least. I think um, I think that you would still play this even if like Kiki Jiki got banned or something. Yeah, because the fact that this draws cards in a deck that classically wants to draw cards, right? It has the ability to cast cards off the top of their deck, so just being able yeah. to cast those goblins Especially is really good. Especially if you're like a Skirk Prospector variant, you can be like, you see that the top card is a goblin, so you can like plan ahead and like sack some creatures to play it, and then like flip the top card again, and you can kind of like do some stuff. And because this would gain the ability of Skirk Prospector if it was on top of your library, you're like kind of incentivized to play with goblins with activated abilities like skirk prospector or like Grail goblin crater maker or something where like you know i i think that this is would be a good enough card anyway just because it's like a two drop it's so cheap and, and it draws cards and the tutor is good enough right like that's a card that especially if you have lords or ways to make it useful like that's a card especially because these decks end up being more comboy anyways so now it, that goblin matron is in modern i think gob Bargret harbinger is only good for this Fair. That's fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that this Free exists, Goblin right? Matron, maybe you could make the argument if you're exactly like a combo-based goblin deck. But now that Matron's legal, it's just like not even close. But no. you would play that if but you're playing this combo. I'm saying I'm saying yeah, it's not right. it's not unserviceable to play that card. The, and I like, think the nice like, thing about this is we we've seen some like uh like as soon as Modern Horizons came around and added in but between Modern Horizons and M20 adding in um like Pashalik Mons and and uh, Matron and stuff like that. Like I've really liked seeing the sort of tier two but still competitive various Goblin builds, and they come in uh, mono red, red green, Jund, um, because you can also run the uh, that putrid Goblin plus Grum Gully means you have like an infinite sack outlet, and so there are some people, and you would play just like one offs of the various combo pieces. You're playing like four Prospector and four Goblin Chieftain, and so your deck can just play as, like, Goblin Beats. But if you happen to draw, like, one of your particular combo pieces, then you can use Matron to find the other combo piece and combo them out. And so, yeah, Conspicuous Snoop feels like an auto three or four of because it's a two-two with all upside that's letting you, like, draw cards. And then the fact that, like, um, 
yeah, I mean, you could have lines like in this deck where you just play the one Harbinger, the one Kiki Jiki, um, but you're playing four, uh, and maybe like one um, either Sling Gang or one Mog Fanatic. I mean, like Mog Fanatic on itself is not the worst because it lets you bolt the bird, um, and yeah. and just happens to also be a goblin. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. We we just went through maybe a 10 minute conversation on ways to play gut shot <laughs> and mog mog fanatic is an actual card that goes infinite gets pumped by lord sits in play and does damage and uh i think is way more serviceable gut shot in this deck than gut shot is in the deck we just described i think that there is a risk for it to be problematic though because basically what you have on your hands is a two card combo that can win on turn three yeah yeah Play Snoop, and you have to untap with it, or play it on turn five or whatever, and then Harbinger on turn three, and then you win. Like that's all you need. You need Snoop and Harbinger. You could play. Okay, but 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 I my but my contention, while I agree with you that I think that that's totally good. A, we've seen insanely busted turn three combo decks in modern not be a thing. Like uh, like just Gorio's Vengeance decks are you are easy turn two turn three combo wins. I think Neoform is a, is a combo win on turn two turn three. If I play my guy on turn two. And on turn three, I try to resolve my Boggart Harbinger to go get the, and then I just bolt your tutu. And now you've now you've searched for Kiki Jiki on top. In fact, you get Kiki Jiki first. It goes on top of your libraries. So now you're down a card. And then I just bolt your tutu. Now you're drawing your five drop you don't want. So that's all I'm saying is you put yourself down a card searching for your Kiki Jiki. Now it's on top of your library, and like you don't really want to draw Kiki Jiki in that situation unless you have another Snoop in hand. So now probably all I've done is bolted your creature. And my game plan's fine. Or, pu- or passed or pushed or whatever. So, like, I'm not saying it's not good. I'm just saying I don't think it's a problem. I think it's just a good thing for goblins to have. I'm excited about it. I think it's I'm cool. I think it's like it it has the potential to be a problem. Well, and, it, and, admittedly, and... this is not a blue deck that you're playing it in. So, you don't have blue disruption. You could be playing Thought Seizes and or Duresses in this deck to like yeah, protect your combo. But, but like, it remains to be seen. And I think that there is a chance it could be problematic just because it's so fast and it's only two cards. And, and, the 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 other thing you said right like the decks you mentioned that aren't problematic that can win on turn two they're playing a lot of bad cards that don't do anything this is playing yeah, two true. bad cards and so if i answer this then they go for it and also if you're a player that's good you're not gonna like see like open removal mana and then just try and go for the combo unless you're in game like two or three and you know you're against like another combo deck that's trying to beat you right in that first game right. if you're tutoring for something you're either gonna wait because you're gonna try like putting them on the back foot so that they have to deal with this and then tutor for the combo. Or you're going to just find like another good card, like a Goblin Matron or something that just lets you draw into more cards so that you are like continuing to outvalue your opponent and then comboing off when you know that they don't have the removable spell or they tap out. And like a lot of those cards require more than two cards, really. Like technically speaking, Gorio's Vengeance only requires Greaselbrand and Gorio's Vengeance to win. But they also have to get the Greaselbrand in their graveyard and they have to like draw well with the greasel brand because you're not guaranteed to win just because you have a greasel brand in play um and like neo form is kind of the same thing you have to draw well off your greasel brand but you also need like one drop one drop neo or uh allosaurus rider neo form but you need like green cards in hand and i mean like yeah you know i mean you need three, three like, cards right yeah, you cards need... and lands is all you need you need literally nothing else yeah. and both of those cards can just do not the combo Right. right, like, right. like Gorya's yes. Vengeance it's, does nothing unless you are winning. It's similar to Splinter it. Twin in that you have like a functional deck that can just kill your opponent if you never draw your combo, or you can kill them on turn three. Right, because it's but yeah, and Splinter Twin's a great example too, right? Because I could like 
play that, and then they can just bolt my bird, and then I'm stuck with a four-mana enchantment that does nothing. But in this situation, you get stuck with Kiki-Jiki, maybe at the worst-case scenario, but most of the time you just have a good other creature that you can beat down with, and they wasted the removal spell. Um, yeah, uh, I'm going to go to the next card, because uh, cool. we have a lot of cards to go through. Um, so, Frantic Inventory. One blue, instant, draw a card. The draw card's equal to the number of cards named Frantic Inventory in your graveyard. Yep, love it. So this yeah. is accumulated knowledge, except it only counts your graveyard instead of also counting your opponent's graveyard for some reason, like accumulated knowledge. And accumulated knowledge was not uh, in modern, correct? It was that, not. That answered a question I had, which is why didn't they just reprint accumulated knowledge? Because counting your opponent's graveyard is dumb and bad. <laughs> I mean, like, I get it was the way that you designed magic cards back then, so no shade to R&D at the time, but given modern design technology... This is the way to go. Um, so it's just a cool card draw engine. It's also a good card draw engine in decks that are self-milling themselves for value. Not necessarily like Dredge, because I think that like doesn't need help in this variety. Yeah. But decks that like have some type of graveyard synergy that are trying to get some cards in their graveyard just adjacently, then having this available as a way to draw cards. Also, just like if people are looking for a two-mana card draw engine in Modern, this does a pretty good job. You could just have this, hold yeah. this up cast this at the end of your opponent's turn the first one you just draw a card but then the second one you draw two the third one you draw you know it, it does compound this is in like, a way it's a classic draw go card right where you're just like never tapping out you always have mana up you're not just like jamming some planeswalker on turn five or whatever like or turn four you're just like holding up mana every single turn and you're killing your opponent slowly with something ridiculous like like old control magic you know but like um, and modern and modern has like insane cards like flash three ones for three mana that you have in Drago strategies that are also are counter yeah. spells or do something anyway. So Yeah, I mean this strikes me as like a mystical teachings card. Like that's the closest thing I can think of as a modern deck that like would be interested in something like this. Or like a wilderness reclamation y type situation. Because yeah. then decks like that out on your turn and also uh <laughs> have yeah. all your mana on top of your opponent's <laughs> turn. But like mystical teachings you know, you can tutor for another one of these to draw more cards, or you can, like, you're just, like, holding up tons of mana every turn. Your opponent never knows what you have, and then you're like, is it a counter spell or whatever? And you're like, no, let's just draw a card. Like, <laughs> I mean, people have played Think Twice in Modern before, you know? That's a thing that that's a thing people have done in Control decks. And how different is this really? I mean, obviously, you don't get the two cards off the one card, but I'd way rather, when I cast a second one of these and I get the extra card, spend two mana to do it, than three mana on a Think Twice. So, yeah, I think, I think uh, they're the biggest issue is just uh, spell slot uh opportunity yes, cost right like this you you have to play four it's the ley line problem in your sideboard right like if you're gonna play ley line of the void you should be playing with at least three of them in your sideboard which means you have that many less sideboard cards for other things than this it's in the main deck i'm willing to like i'll splash a single thing twice just like one accumulated knowledge deck. is also a big popper player where there are no planeswalkers so all of the control decks are like hard control mm -hmm. uh with you know with pestilence win con or whatever <laughs> but um like i think the thing the one thing that stands out about this versus think twice is like if you only draw one throughout the whole game which like you're playing this in a deck with a ton of other card draw but if yeah. you draw one of these in the whole game think twice is better because you get to draw sure. two cards off your one card if you draw two of these and two think twices technically you're getting three cards off of two of these and four cards off of two think twice but you're spending so much mana to get those cards off yeah. the think twice. if you want all four cards off your think twice if you even want three cards off your think twice you're spending seven mana 
is you need to cast both Think Twices for two, and you need to flash back one for three. With this card, you're spending four mana to get the same number of cards. It's just like much more mana efficient than Think Twice, not just because of like the three mana, but because the second one draws two cards for two mana. And the second yeah, Think, I mean, think twice, twice draws two cards for five mana. Like, for sure. Think Twice has definitely been pretty fringe. I mean, I think, I think we're all in agreement this card is cool and fun, but definitely not like yeah. something that's going to break modern. Uh, Transmogrify, three and a red. Sorcery, uh, it's a rare. Exile target creature, that creature's controller, reveals cards from the top of their library until they reveal a creature card. That player puts the card onto the battlefield, then shuffles the rest into their library. So... We've seen this literally polymorph. Literally polymorph. No, it's not. I, I think I think the difference. I think the difference. Correct me if I'm wrong here. Is target creature's controller sacrifices it. So with polymorph, there's any death trigger or anything like that. You're getting that, and the creature does go to your graveyard. This is explicitly targeting and exiling the creature. Yeah, so that's true. It never goes to the graveyard. It is no longer there. That's the one major difference, which is a very red effect compared I will to say blue. That the main use for polymorph is targeting your own token. Uh, so in that regard, it's exactly the same. But it's true yep. that if your opponent has something you really got to exile and you just don't care what they hit off their library, uh, it it exiles it, which is better. Yeah, and 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 but but on the the other side, the thing that is interesting is like now you don't need blue, right? And, and it's kind of like is is there a a version of this deck that maybe just like is better if you don't have to splash blue or play blue cards to maybe pull it off and maybe there is. You may there there are more token generators in other colors and so this maybe works better in those colors to get an ember pull into play. I would say that if you are a combo deck looking for one specific card to execute your combo, you are you should play blue. But That's you could play eight polymorphs because you could play four of these That's and true. four polymorphs. Yeah, yeah just be blue red, like blue red version of this deck we're speculating about. Because yeah, and I we're guess already seeing, fair. we're already seeing Luca, the new planeswalker whose minus is basically a version of Transmogrify. Um, it's showing up a lot in historic, which while not quite pioneer or modern, is a thing to keep an eye on oh, to no, see Luca's, what Luca's... shake out. Luca's seeing play in, in modern and pioneer. It's 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 in all all the places. Well, there you go. So yeah, it feels yeah. like he's not. Any time you're Luca. going to play Luca, wouldn't you rather play Transmogrify? It's one cheaper. No. The advantage of Luca is uh, it does cost one more mana, but it um you can play creatures in your deck with Luca. Like with Transmogrify, you need literally zero creatures. Like if you were playing four Llanowar Elves to get your combo off faster, and you Transmogrify a Llanowar Elf, you might hit another Llanowar Cause, Elf. Because Luca requires the card just to be more expensive, right? So like right. if you have one, two, and three drops, as long as the three drop is a creature you sacrifice with Luca, you can get Emrakul. So, I think what we're seeing more often with Luca is like one drops and two drops, but yeah, you can yeah. just play a deck full of one drops and two drops, and you just have to make sure that when you Luca, you Luca a two drop. Which and is, then you'll which... always get your Emrakul because you have nothing that costs more than two. Yeah, so Good so there are different decks. Now, now, the difference though, and I think Luca is better than both of these cards. Like, I think he just has outclassed transmogrify and um the blue one that i'm forgetting the name Being of, the master is like legit though sure. in in formats where this is legal right like in modern empire mm -hmm. here like being a turn faster is like super important like you're giving up a lot to do it except that luke is mostly seeing it. play with like lana war elf effects right like it's normally being ramped into i just don't think that this is adding so much to polymorph that it's going to become a player out of nowhere but it's certainly like a fringe deck that you can enjoy and being a turn faster is relevant uh, next card is Fury, Fiery Emancipation. Three red, red, red. Enchantment. All, if a source you control would deal damage to a permanent or player, it deals triple that damage 
to that permanent or player instead. How do we feel about the word triple? <laughs> okay, first of all, this is like the Wendy's Baconator, right? It's just like extra bacon. Like I like read this card and I'm just like, ah! Oh! But like my thought when I look at this card is, uh, I, I would never cast a six mana red enchantment in modern unless I was trying to do something so clever. But on the other hand, the scalability of the damage is so nuts on this card that like, think about it from this perspective. Let's just pretend that there are no other cards in your deck other than a stupid five mana dragon and this card. And your dragon probably has haste. Okay? That's it. There's nothing else in your deck except for, for mounts. You're playing Stormbreath Dragon. Your opponent can't figure out... Yeah. Yeah, yeah Stormbreath Dragon. Now, it's very unlikely that you're going to resolve your dragon on turn five and this on turn six and just attack twice. But if you did, you'd do 20 damage. Well, not even that. And so... 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 so uh, on a similar note... For that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't Thunder Mahal. Yeah, yeah, need yeah. the Thunder Mahal. Uh, uh, the, um, the Convoke uh red for do four damage to target creature uh -huh. or player Ban you cast this and you just tap whatever creatures you have and you just damage someone for 12 to their face <laughs> yeah i think this card is a very great uh commander card yeah it's a very great brawl card and that's it is it too good I... for those two formats though like nyx bloom makes it, i would argue that nyx bloom ancient has made my magic experience worse overall yes i think existing. this card is similar to nyx bloom ancient in that it is extremely boring and lame in formats where it's good and unplayable everywhere else i will say i like this more than nyx bloom ancient due to the fact that what it's making good in those formats is classically not good versus you the game. I mean, instead of just being like, whoo -hoo, I draw my whole deck and play all my cards. Right. <laughs> like with what people do with Nick's blue mansion. Instead, it's like, I play this and I win. I, I mean, like, yeah, yeah, that's fair. You, you scoop it up and you play the next one much quicker, <laughs> but the end result is the same. <laughs> um, all right. So, uh, before we get into the rest of the set review and we're running a little low on time, but we, I think we have a little bit of time because there's been some, some uh technical difficulties i do want to thank uh the people who prevent us from having any more technical difficulties than we already have that is our patrons uh they you know obviously are the main way we're able to do this podcast they support so many different features of it uh definitely please go check it out it's patreon.com slash the mmcast big special shout out to the nobles of house modern that's a, a special tier that you can donate to that we will read your name and we do a kind of a private chat with you guys before, or girls, uh, before the uh, podcast starts. Um, and so, uh, Pinky's up to you. Uh... Pinky's up for the Nobles of House Modern. Cam Albergini, Brandon S. Russell, and Andrew Kelso. Thank you guys all so much for your support in the Patreon. There's lots of cool tiers, everything from the Storm tier down to the Dredge tier. Uh, there's lots of fun stuff on there, so go check it out. Yep, and make sure people that are watching right now subscribe and like all those things down there those buttons press them uh cool next card do you guys want to talk about can i go back one yes i i don't think heartfire emulator is modern playable it's a two mana two two human wizard prowess uh pay one red sacrifice it it deals damage to equal to its powers target creature or planeswalker but i do think that like if we're talking pioneer or historic or something that like has a little bit shallower of a card pool this is like a good card i mean it's a two mana two two with prowess which is good and then the ability is like good also and it's a wizard so like if you're looking for playable wizards in your adelie's pioneer deck or whatever or historic or you know it it like wizard is a very relevant creature type on a prowess creature because like you kind of want a critical mass of prowess creatures in a wizard deck because you're like playing tons of spells along with your creatures and you need each creature to pull its weight. 
because you don't have that many of them typically. Uh, and prowess is one way to do that because you're like playing this and then you're like, ah, oh, wizard's lightning, you know, getcha. Um, and then the ability to like blow up creatures or planeswalkers is uh, good, I think. I mean, for yeah. only one mana to sacrifice this. Um, I think that it's a card that's like a little bit under the radar in a lot of ways because like it's awkward in standard because you can't trigger prowess enough times and it's awkward in older formats where you can trigger prowess enough times because it's like a two minute two two uh but i think in the in-between formats where like in historic you have enough one mana cantrips and in pioneer you probably have enough one mana cantrips maybe the power level's there that if you're playing some sort of adelie's style deck or even just any other wizard deck i, I know a lot of wizards deck just kind of throw Adelie's to the side and play just Wizards Lightning, but uh, I think it's definitely worth a look there. Yeah? Yeah. Okay, cool. Garrick's Harbinger, green, green, one, beast, four, three. So three mana, four, three, hexproof from black. When Garrick's Harbinger deals combat damage to a player or planeswalker, look at that many cards from the top of your library. You may reveal a creature card or Garrick planeswalker card from among them and put them into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. Uh, cool flavor for the like anti-black because he was black green until he got healed. So that's cool. And then he's a he's a big he's a big boy that dodges three of the main removal, if not more of the main removal spells of the format. It does die to bolt, does die to path, but every other removal spell that's played, it dodges. I mean, it's an interesting card. Look, I think that there's something to be said for any time that you're printing, you know, a good stats card that has hexproof or protection. Like, I don't think this is a main deck card in green stompy decks by any means, but I do think that this is a sideboard card. Like, it's a good card. It creates card advantage and dodges black. So if you're going up against, like, you know, uh, I guess... I guess it can get bolted, so, you know, Grixis Shadow, it's probably not the best, but, like... Yeah, is there, uh, yeah. is, is there any decks that play... Just push? Not red and play black. <laughs> I mean, those black-red... Okay, so those black-red decks, the Kroxa decks that, you, that people play with, like, you know, either, uh, you know, the Claim the claim Fame ones, right? Like, those those decks he's probably pretty decent against, but... Well, but they play both, guess... right? They're still playing those. Like, that, that's kind oh, of yeah, the big could, problem. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's I, its biggest flaw, is it dies to bolt. Yeah, and I think that, like, you want to play this against a controlling deck, right? Because it dodges removal and draws cards. So you mm -hmm. want to play it in a match where you're, like, trading resources and you need to be dodging removal. But I just think, like, those decks, the more controlling decks just have removal that hits this. Like, nobody is leaning on black removal that hard in modern. But perhaps, well, like, Pioneer, maybe, where, I like... I think for no Pioneer goal. is... Yeah, I think Pioneer, where... Uh, Assassin's Trophy and Fatal Push are some of the premier removal spells, and we were talking about um, what's the the new one in this set that that kills a creature, Planeswalker three or less. Mother variant, Eradicate, I think it's called. Something like yeah. that, yeah. That's not Eradicate. Um, yeah, like none of those can hit the Harbinger. Um, so I was, yeah, I was, I think I was thinking more in like Pioneer, where we don't have Bolt available. A lot of the best, there's no Bolt and there's no Path in Pioneer, so the two removal spells that it's most vulnerable to don't exist. And like Murder, it's still be bounced by Teferi. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, it feels like there, Garrick's Harbinger might be like a really solid player, even in main decks, because. A four power creature that draws you a card every time it hits, no matter you know, and it and it can hit while hitting planeswalkers too, which I think is, uh, I I really appreciate whenever a creatures attack trigger can trigger when attacking planeswalkers also, 
Yeah, there's been a lot of times where like I play a rankle and they have a planeswalker, like a Teferi or something, and I'm like, I guess I have to kill this stupid Teferi instead of getting my value. <laughs> I mean, I think also like just from the point of view of, of uh, yeah, I think you're right, Marshall. Because even even if you know Modern was to return to some of those black green decks, not black green X, but just the straight black green decks, um, where their main removal is going to be you know abrupt decay and and then fatal push and things like that. Even those decks are playing Liliana, so like they they're, they're, Lily can still make you sack this guy. Um, so he feels the creature in your deck, right? Like you're playing this in like kind of a stompy style deck, or at least a mid range deck where you have like right. You yeah, played this on turn then. two off of your land war elf. Yeah, I, I get it, but they, I mean, they probably have Tarmogoyf and Scavenging Ooze, and they can block. I still, like, I still think you know? like this is a card you bring as a sideboard card against those decks, and if I'm bringing a sideboard card against that deck, I don't know if Garrick's Harbinger is going to be a the best option and b a card. Like those decks have to be a significant piece of the metagame for me to and and for Jund to just not want to exist or Ab, even Abzan to not want to exist for me to like have this be my sideboard card against that strategy. Um, well, we're talking like for Pioneer or something. Sure, Pioneer's different. Yeah, I don't yeah, think yeah. this is a. I don't think this is really a modern card. I was thinking more this for Got it. for Pioneer. Um, I'm gonna move to the next card if that's okay. Bring Wingmare so, down. Uncommon is cool. Yeah, that's cool. It's now uncommon. All right, so this will be our last card, Garrick Unleashed. Two green green, legendary planeswalker Garrick. Plus one, up to two, up to one target creature, gains plus three, plus three, gains trample until end of turn. Uh, minus two, create a three, three green beast creature token. Then if an opponent controls more creatures than you, put a loyalty counter on Garrick Unleashed. Uh, and then a minus seven, you get an emblem with off the beginning. At the beginning of your end step, you may search your library for a creature card, put it on the battlefield, then shuffle your library. Um, so this card's, I mean, it's cool. Garrick's back. I mean, we had a cool conversation. Was that live or was that just in our lives, Michael, on like, what is Garrick's design space now that Vivian exists and Nissa exists? And where does he fall in that world? I forget if that I was on the podcast. That was recorded or not. <laughs> uh i don't know that's you that's know like my one big question that much outside of recording now that we're not like seeing each other every day so chat let us know if you're hearing a repeat on this conversation I, as far as the card goes i think that it's fine i don't i don't think this is the mod like i think if i'm going to play a four mana garrick the original one i think it's much better yeah i'm only excited about this card for commander because the the plus his plus one is pretty relevant in commanders that don't have that are like aggressive but don't have trample I'm excited to put this in my Kogla the Titanate commander deck because Kogla wants ways to get uh, Truthful. uh trample. Yeah. Uh, and his all three of his abilities are are not irrelevant if you're playing a green stompy style commander deck. But I I don't think this guy does really anything that any small deck can format yeah. really wants. Uh, I mean, I thing... get that like not every planeswalker can be a winner because there's so many of them printed, and I think this one is not a winner. Yeah. I think I think like the other one is Garrick Tribal, right? Like we now have at least two incentives, planeswalkers that want Garrick, or I guess Garrick's Harbinger, uh, and now some other Garrick cards, but that want multiple Garricks in play. So so this does. Uh, it's just Garrick the 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 Eldraine Garrick, right? Yeah, the, black the one green. that like puts a, puts a counter on each Garrick you control. Ah. Uh, um, this one does cheat Emrakul in the play, right? It's just what you have to be playing a deck that's playing this and wants to put Emrakul in the play and Lucas around. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't think this is a big a big winner of the set. Uh, I just all I was gonna say was that the, the last place this card rings to me is every time a planeswalker gets printed, I always look at the ultimate because 
doubling season. Like, what can you do with a doubling season ultimate planeswalker? And uh, this does work as the final piece in the uh, doubling season Jace chain, because if you ultimate Garrick when it comes down, you're protected against some sort of unforeseen bizarre wrath effect because you have the emblem. So now even if they manage to get rid of everything you've done on your huge turn somehow, now end step, you search for your Emrakul or whatever, and then even if they get rid of it on their turn, and next end step, you just get another Emrakul, or you well, get Emrakul back in theory. That's actually fair. And it's mono green, right? Like of all of the, like before uh, Watley was red green, right? Or was it one of the red Yeah, Watley was red green, and, and then, and then mono it, blue. And then, some, it was Samut. It was Samut that could do it yes, with red right, green, yeah. that could get it. And then... Um, and then yeah, and then and then Jace was blue, so you had to play blue green. So this just lets you play those two cards, and then you can choose whatever other cards you want to play, or just be mono green, which might be better. Because then you could just be Jace like Jace Architect of Thought is so much better than this card. Just take the damage yeah. from your lands. I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, because because with Jace, like you get a million things, and like probably like you're playing multicolors, and like Nahiri just like wins the game for you as your and last Jace one. Is, like a reasonable four mana planeswalker that yeah. you could like play in a format and not be embarrassed yeah you play yeah, it and agreed. you draw a bunch of cards and you make it so none of their creatures do as much like you like at least gain six life because they have to kill it and all of their creatures get minus one minus one um all right now um all right so that's that's it for the review uh make sure to check out the hot take next week it's we we go into garrick and the difference between garrick and Vivian and where their design space is. It was a really cool conversation. A uh, big thank you once again to all of our patrons. Thank you all the people that are listening and following. Um, we are, um, you know, going to keep trying to make more content as we move forward. Uh, you can follow all of us on all the social media, but specifically uh, I'm at Kess Wiley on all things. Ben. You guys can find me at Ben Bateman Media on all of the Twitters and Instagrams and whatnot. And I have a brand new thing I just launched called Nerds and Suits, youtube.com slash Nerds and Suits. There's some interviews, some music. Go check it out, please. Thank you. Uh, Michael? I'm at uh, Dudard on Twitter, D-U-D-A-R-D-D. -D. And Marshall? I'm at Marsh Unfocused. I'm having too much fun playing with the Brady Bunch screens at my disposal. Uh, and uh, thanks, you guys, so much for listening. Make sure to subscribe and follow. We'd love to hear a comment on if there's any card that we missed. Uh, there's, next week, we'll be doing the final third part of our M21 set review. Uh, and um, we've been doing it chronologically. So, so if you go to any of the things in, in order of preview, we just got through June 10th. So uh, if anything we missed up to June 10th that you want us to talk about, please comment below. We'd love to hear your thoughts. And or if there's anything you're looking forward to that yeah. we haven't gotten to yet, but you want to make sure we get it. Yep, absolutely. And uh, make sure to also check out the preview card. We got a free one from Wizard last week. It was a hot take, so it came out last Tuesday or Monday. Um, and we talked about the card that I am probably still one of the most hyped for, Ghostly Pilferer. Um, it has all the abilities. It's really sick. Uh, it's really sick. And uh, thanks again, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Hi, guys. Bye. This has been a production of Time Traveler Media, sending podcasts into the future.